0: Hello, everybody. We're going to talk about a depressing thing tonight. And I'm tired, and it's late, but it's COVID, and you got kids at home, and you're trying to do academics, and you're trying to be an executor, and, you know, all the other things that go along with that. So, um, we're going to talk about the things that I wish someone had told me about six months ago. Uh, There was... There was a lot of prep done on the part of my kid's dad when he knew that he was headed toward heaven. Um, He thought he really had it all greased, but he was wrong. (laughs) And we had a lot of family dependency on um, this whole financial structure. And so I've made a list of things. Uh, This is part one, and I'm calling it Executor Duties Hindsight. Right, rear view mirror hey twenty twenty um part one so um th- there are businesses that uh, help you prepare, help you set up a guideline, have all the passwords, have all the logins in a in a particular place, and that's awesome, so you do that, okay? You find someone I know my friend Angela Campos has a client that she works with that that does that, and I'll find that and put that in the the, the notes. Um, so even with all of the um, all of the preparation, these are the things that fell through the cracks and, and really caused trouble. Now some of them we didn't know were going to happen. We did. We could not have predicted that COVID would happen and everything would freeze up. Well, we knew things were going to freeze up, but to the degree to which you we were going through virtual probate, and there's also a number of complications in the the family uh, on my kid's dad's octopus of legal stuff. So without getting into too much privacy, right, I'm talking about generalities here. So um, with the, the probate, now what you're supposed to do is as soon as the person passes, you're supposed to let everybody know, the legal people, the financial people, the social security people, all of those guys, we're supposed to let them know within 10 days. Well, we had some extenuating circumstances and we were trying to limp along for a while and it, it, it just it just furthered the pain. It just extended the, the the trouble. So if you know that it's coming at you and if you got... Coerced <laughs> into becoming executor, most of us never want the job, and most of us never take the pittance percentage right I'm not going to take it from from my family, his family, the people that um, I care about so most people don't ever want the job of executor, and I can absolutely guarantee that there is no glamour in it okay so um, but what will happen and, and you don't foresee it is that it's going to take at least Four months, all right? Four months of buffer. So for anybody that's dependent upon payments, and, and, and this one had built up quite the dependency octopus, but moving right along, um, make sure that all the responsible parties have a buffer of four months, all right? And make sure they understand the relationship to money because as it's been said, it's true that there's so much difference between earning it and receiving it. Okay. So if, if no matter who's a recipient, if they are still learning to have a relationship with money, it's going to be a vertical learning curve, especially with grief and duress and worry and concern and loss and, and sorrow and grieving. So, um, it's just a lot of a burden. Okay. So, uh, we also tried to, I would log in and I would pretend to be him, okay, which worked for a little while, but it was not the right thing to be doing. Um, But in hindsight, okay, so what I eventually found was the the, the healthcare system, they're going to backdoor you. So it's not going to be just you telling the financial and the legal people that, and so therefore you might be stalling until you can get certain things in place, right? And we had issues of of hospice and the other a lot of other complications so the the uh, it started to freeze up on the financial side because the death certificate through the back door of the healthcare system alright and so eventually I was not able to pretend to be him on any of the logins which was not a really good thing to do anyway but I was not personally gaining from anything I was just trying to help the complications in the family so um, Anyway, that'll freeze up and you'll, you'll talk to the credit card company and they will, as soon as they know that it's an executor situation, they will not talk to you about anything. So what's going to happen is your the payments are going to stack up. You're going to freak out because there's fees and interest rates. One thing they don't tell you is that once the credit card freezes, then it, they're eventually going to come back to you Two or three or four or five months down the road, and you're going to be negotiating with the credit card company on what you will pay and what you won't pay. Now, I received a list of of plus I had the credit card statement, so I went through as soon as I knew there was going to be some. As soon as I knew that we were facing that he was facing death, I started calling all of the 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 people that his money was going to, and I made notes. And they all said, "Yes, you're right, okay." But only one only one vendor took action, and so. God bless Audible Books, and they even went retroactive in their credit. So I just want to say a kudo to them. Everybody else said, sure, yeah, fine, we'll take care of it, and they didn't. So now two months or three months of charges on the credit card have piled up, and now I'm dealing with the credit agency that received all the the information from Chase Bank. um, Excuse me, from the bank. And so... It's not going to, so, so if we were alive, we would worry about it looking really bad on a credit history, but that's not really what we got going on, right? So as I negotiate, as you negotiate with the credit card pile up, you will have some leverage. They're going to want to get as much paid back as they can. And I have found that I, I've talked with them several times on the telephone. They put the notes in the profile. So now four or five months down the road, they're going to I still have to make that last conversation with them, but I think they're going to be more agreeable to waive the uh subsequent months of the interest and the fees, right? Because what they're really trying to... And that's best practices. The, the, the credit card freezes up as soon as they know the person's not there anymore, because it's not the executor's personal responsibility to pay the bills. They just... And they tell you that, but they do want their money. All right. And if there's any points involved, then that's another whole transaction that you need an appropriate death certificate. There's a lot of of these executor duties that need a death certificate. And so be really careful who's ever filling out the the paperwork that's doing the hospice stuff or the interface with um, the funeral arrangements have somebody double, double check the social security number, okay? That didn't happen for us. And then so months, a a period of time, weeks, I forget how long goes by. And then it comes to my attention as executor that dadgummit, the social security number is wrong on the death certificate. So that that churns up a whole bunch of phone calls with no satisfaction. Um, we file the form for an amended death certificate, and there's nobody that's responsible for that. It just kind of goes on its own merry way, and it's all virtual because of COVID. And whoever, whatever little elf or fairy gets the, the document, little elf kind of, you know, whoever's the magic fairy dust that, that churns out the amended returns. Nobody has any power. It just starts a paper trail. And so you're just waiting. And so, let's see, January to the end of June, it's been four or five months, and I'm still waiting on the amended appropriate right death certificate and nobody wants one that's not right okay so that's going to gum you up just telling you so be really careful have an extra set of eyes look at that social security number before you send it in because if you have to do an amended it will it will take a long time and you will have zero control over it and it'll drive you nuts okay so if for all the parties that are going to be financially dependent upon the money uh, and you know your situation you think <laughs> um, but talk with them, let them really understand uh, to become more self sufficient don't rescue people okay don't rescue folks and you know if, if you if you're doing that to your family <laughs> and you're sending them checks every month and you're letting them become dependent upon you then shame on you all right they need to learn and they need to understand the uh, sophisticated relationship to money how does a credit card work how does float work <sighs> even if you got into arbitrage, but I mean, not really, right? But just teach them ahead of time, okay? Please. All right. So um, have at least a four months buffer. We had people that were dependent upon it, and I had to forward some money out of my own bank account, which eventually I got reimbursed, but it goes back to really good records, okay? So I have a first-class team of people that's helping me out. Uh, uh, There's an arm that's helping with just the asset management, to try to keep the bucket as big as possible. Then there's that's usually called a co-trustee or a asset management a team. And then you also can have someone helping you. Um, and typically it might be the same group or in the case of we've got a couple of special needs trusts engaged uh, and people with extra dependency on things. So um, that's going to bring in uh people with special skills and they will be co-trustee over like the day in day out kind of stuff like the um they and they that's called co-trustee separate from asset management so you're going to learn a whole bunch of new vocabulary you're going to start learning about pr- the preservation of capital um and depending on how the will is set up and if you have to go to probate and um uh, there's there may be residual there may be um cash there may be IRAs. So um, start paying attention to what, watch some TV shows or, or try to understand what the accounts are in the portfolio or what you do have and what you don't have. All right, and maybe these words mean nothing to you. And if I start to talk now about a, a representative payee account or two and, and you don't know what I'm talking about, then count your blessings, all right? But I'm wrestling through two of those with this extended family situation. So I've been learning about rep payee, representative payee accounts because of my son, um, but there's a certain kind of account that needs to be set up with the bank, depending on the funds coming in, if it's first party or third party, and then depending on whether you have to reimburse it at the time of death of the of the person for whom the representative payee account is set up. So like, for example, for my son, John, there's certain things that will have to, have to go back to the government uh, or Medicaid, or we call it, it's, it's reimbursement, but you also could call it a clawback. It's a really ugly word. but um, if, So when he dies, when John dies, there's things that will liquidate and go back to the government bucket. It won't be the Fisher bucket, anymore, John Fisher bucket. It will be back to the government. So you, and, and in this whole account, uh, a payee representative, um, representative payee system, then you, you also can take advantage of special needs trusts. You can take advantage of ABLE accounts. Um, and all of those are another whole podcast. And I'll be glad to talk further about my personal experience with each of these. Now, that's going to be different than all of the financial experts. And they're going to talk about the rules. And they're going to talk about, um, you know, up in the, the the global aspect of it. But but mine has been the nitty-gritty on the earth and and paying each month, and what what can what can the social security money pay, uh, what can the able account pay? If there is a special needs trust because of whatever reason, is it third party or first party, and how how big is it? How what's the the time horizon? Um, uh, what are what kind of what kind of money is in the bucket? All right, and how long do you need to keep the bucket? And what will happen to the to the bucket after whoever your your kid passes. So these are all really big conversations. All right. And I'm going back to, so one of the pictures here on this podcast is I was, I was told by one of the financial people that uh, um that the kid's dad set up and i'm mm-hmm. keeping the team if you are executor you will be inheriting a roadmap. you don't get to be creative with this you're going to be you might have some leeway in how the legal wording is handled and you might have some a little bit of latitude of discretion but really for the most part you're just you, you got your your blueprints all laid out for you the roadmap is there you just have to follow through and do it right and you better do it right because there's a higher level of stewardship and fiduciary responsibility. Okay, take good notes. Um, Gentlemen, I'm depending on quite a bit. told me to take exquisite notes. So I got a, 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 a journal and I'm writing everything in there. Now, what I used to do at the beginning was if I started a conversation with someone and I wasn't sure how fast I was going to have to scribble notes, I would I would take these sloppy notes and then I would have to transcribe everything or staple it on a page. So if if you need to just slow the conversation down so that you know... You understand if you have a question when people are throwing all this stuff at you, stop them. Say, hey, can you say that in a different way? Or I'm taking notes here. So just start putting everything straight away into... Oops, lost my microphone there. Sorry. Sorry about that. Okay, Um, just start putting everything straight away into the journal for the notes. All right, you'll be glad you did that. Payee, the the representative payee account. That's another whole big thing. If you've got that, we'll talk about that in greater length. Again, I'm not trying to be a financial expert in this. I'm just trying to say I've been wrestling with this stuff for for more than a year, and it has to be a specialized kind of, kind of account. So um, it's it's going to be a kind of a business account, but it's going to have a lot of constraints on it. So you're not going to be able to pull cash from that, but you could pull cash from the able account, and you can put fifteen thousand dollars a year, capped annually. So it's kind of like the like kind of like the gift tax, but just with an extra four thousand per year, and then it's going to lifetime cap at a hundred thousand. At least that's the way the Texas rules are right now, and it has special uses, right? So keep notes because there will be certain things as an executor you're watching that will come out of a representative payee account and other things that will get paid out of the executor account and account and something else that will get paid out of your the the child's able account it just happens to be a really complicated situation i'm in and hopefully yours is going to be far simpler all right so i hope you have none of the troubles that i've been wrestling through So you're going to have, within the documents, the probate process, there will be a couple of documents that come to you. You're going to have to get them notarized. If you have virtual probate, it's going to take you longer. If you show up in court, if you're back into that situation someday, and you can get this all done at one time while you're in the courthouse, then great, you'll save yourself two weeks of time and running back and forth to the bank and notarizing and scanning and sending things in but there will be a couple of documents that you have to get uh, to satisfy the legal c- uh, the court. And then eventually you'll get your letters of testamentary. And that then starts your ability to have the official title of executor. So it's kind of like executor prep until you get the letters of testamentary. And then you start to have a little bit more ability to do things, but there's no there's no creativity to it. There's, you just got to do the work that's already laid out. Um, in in the in the paperwork that that you inherit the the will as it's set up or the rules of the government depending on which account you're dealing with so I just have a sheet of paper that says the dos and don'ts of each of the different accounts and I keep notes on that so that I also keep a running commentary day by day like a journal like a diary but I also have a sheet of paper per account that says what I can and cannot use it for um, for for each of the things I've got to keep track of. You'll also have to work on an inventory of, of the person that just passed. And that means all the little places where there's a, a small policy here or something from group life insurance there, or like an example that was kind of odd for us is that, they, that um, the kid's dad set up a life insurance policy to pay for funeral expenses, but he also set it up so that there would be a physical bunch of stuff so that John could see the casket. And we never did that, partly because there was no actual funeral. With the COVID, we ended up having, and I asked the family, and I asked the friends, and so we ended up just having a celebration of life at my house for my ex. And we invited all the people that wanted to come from this geographical area. So we live in the Houston area. And it was lovely. It was a great big house full of people, but it was like a week or so before COVID ha- happened. And so w- when when we tried to have something else in another state for other people, it got shut down. So a lot of this was just lucky timing. So if you decide that instead of a funeral, instead of a visitation, if is it open casket? Is it not? Is it Um, are you going to have, is it going to be a a cremation or not? And then what are their wishes? We ended up with a celebration of life at our house filled with people and I videotaped. And what we did was that my brother showed up, he's a pastor and he had the last word on things. But prior to that, all the people that were there, they just climbed up on my stairway Uh, It's a two-story house. So they climbed up on the stairs, so kind of like a little podium, you know, up in the air. And whoever wanted to, they just just said what they wanted to say. And I did make sure I had video room on my camera, so I I, I, I saved that. And it's archived in a file in, in Dropbox for the family someday for my kids as they grow up. Now, another thing that their dad did was he used Memorialize Me. And he also had an Apple phone. So he did a lot of videos. It's kind of, it's kind of eerie. You know, he was in his final stages of a, some really debilitating diseases, but he was trying to do as much as he could to leave, um, leave, a, uh, leave something for, the, for all the kids. So John is yet to watch those, but I think he's ready to face it now. We, we were talking about that and he says he wants to watch them tomorrow. Um, And I made sure he understands so John's rising 14 years old with developmental delay. But we talk about dad being in heaven. We talk about that all the time. So whereas John's only seen the house celebration and he's not seen the ashes and he's not seen a casket and he hasn't been out to any grave with dirt and all that, I just, that wasn't my son's visualization and how I wanted him to remember his dad. So back to the insurance policy and the other bits and pieces as you're the executor and you're doing your inventory, um, you're gonna just make an Excel spreadsheet if you have to and just start listing all of the assets. So one of the things I did was clean out the stuff. So where's the stuff? Is it something you're gonna sell or pass on or keep or give away? And then um is it there is any of it mon, of monetary value it's and then you need to keep a list of all that because that will go into the estate um Use a Excel spreadsheet. Start listing all the things. It's you. It's going to be a squirrely process to collect all the bits and pieces of stuff because everybody's each company for whatever reason they've got has got a strange set of rules. They need a death certificate. They don't need a death certificate. They're going to tell you three times to send in a document, and each time you send in the same document over and over again. And part of that probably was due to the fact I did not have a good death certificate, and and it was COVID, and you nobody was doing appropriate. I mean, everybody's was scrambling, right? So if people are scrambling and you're scrambling (laughs) and you're squeezed for money and you've got people that are dependent and their rent and their nursing home bills, and all that stuff stacking up, it makes for a rough go. All right. So in the pictures, I also put a, uh, a I show you the box of where I'm trying to keep the, the paperwork. So that, that, that blue file box that you see there is actually refined down to about half of what I originally received. So cleaning out the the home and selling it off or clearing out the apartment and clearing out the car, those are gonna be executor duties too. And if it's too much of an emotional burden, then find a good friend who's an organizer. And I had one, God bless Sheila. And so she took care of all of that for a, a very, very fair price. Uh, the kids and I went through, cleaned up, and that was even during his, when he was still alive, and then when he went into hospice. So we had time, but it was never enough time to absorb the grief and the sorrow. And, and then you're also trying to make cerebral choices about services uh, or not, and satisfy multiple people in the family. And then you're going to have your family craziness, okay, and it's, it's, it's going to catch you off guard. And you'll survive. I'm I'm just telling you it's happened in in my family 3 times throughout losses of of major people in the family. So just stay at peace. Remember that everybody's trying to do their best in working through grieving. Nobody grieves at the same rate or at the same magnitude or amplitude. And if it's kids or anybody, anybody who's grieving is going to be going through, and this is best practices out of grief and trauma training, is that no one ever gets over this stuff, okay? They just learn to reprocess it at a different perspective at a different time in their life. So, for example, John, my son, who's 13 when he lost his dad, and now he's just trying to kind of get a grip on what all that means. Then as he becomes strongly into puberty and then into his 20s, and then as he keeps pushing through his developmental delay and pushing toward independence, he's going to reprocess this grieving, this loss of a really significant person. And that means he's down to mom. He's got mom and a brother and then a little bit of family. Um, but that's not the same because it was, he was a daddy's boy and we still talk about present tense. Okay. So when, when he wants to talk about his dad, he says, oh, my dad has cancer. And I said, yes, he does. Which is the same conversation we had in the early days. And then John was the one that brought up, uh, <laughs> he said, um, one night, this is when dad was still, uh, uh, still, no, I think, yeah, dad, his dad was still alive. He said, yeah, dad's going to meet. Mary and Joseph and it was Christmas time and I said what and then then I then I put it together in my head we were we were laying down trying to get him to go to sleep we were with with older brother there we call it a family lay down when we all just kind of spend time together and John said well dad's going to see Mary and Joseph and I got it the kid's talking about heaven he's got a, a really spiritual approach to things he's been through confirmation where we go to church and we talk about spiritual things And then I said, oh, yeah. I said, so who else is dad going to see? And the next one he said was Gabriel. And then he had a couple of New Testament dudes. Um, uh, uh, Matthew and, oh, gosh, I forget. Paul, forgive me, um, you New Testament apostles. (laughs) But John listed three of you and then a couple of angels and then... um, uh, Joshua. So uh, anyway, we, we talk frequently, anytime he wants to, you know, who's dad seeing? And and we talk about it in the present tense. And I never correct him. So he, as he grieves, he's using his own vocabulary. Um, now, my o- older child, who's a neurotypical, and in college, he's grieving in a different way. And then there's an adult child from a different wife. And she's grieving in a different way and her whole family. And then there's a mom and a brother. And so it just... It's a lot of layers, and I I hope your situation is a little less complicated. Um, But we just try to all understand that everybody's dealing with grieving in their own rate and their own pace, and no one's going to get over anything. They're going to just get through it. And so we we just do our best to try to help each other, right? And that's pretty much standard, classic grief and trauma um, uh, verbiage, right? As you would help somebody. Um, I mentioned the inventory and then I got off on other topics. So one of the cerebral, the the mental discipline business jobs you're gonna have as executor is gonna be keeping a list of all of the things of value. Now, if it's just stuff in boxes in the garage and you're gonna give it away to somebody um, or the family's gonna take it someday, then that's not really what can be distributed. The inventory is for funds that are gonna be distributed. So there you go, which could be cash, which could be IRAs, which could be insurance policies, which could be refunds, right? And so you just make a list of that and that will be the bucket. I'm calling it the bucket. And so that will eventually be distributed out to all, the, all of the people that are, are named in the will. Again, please take great notes because another thing you're going to need to do is to file federal income tax, and perhaps state if that's relevant we live in texas no state sales tax i mean sorry no state um, uh, federal no state annual tax um but the federal yes i uploaded all the documents um, he had been using someone previously so i just inherited a pile Uh, I inherited a ton of paper, so when you get all this paper dumped on you, like you're cleaning out the the domicile, okay, the apartment or the house, as you're doing the executor, so you're going to have you're going to have logical things, business things, emotional things, and family support things to do. So part of the emotional. Part for you, if you, had, if you were engaged in some way, emotionally, it's gonna be rough to clean out the goo in the house. Um, I did it for my dad, helping my mom long ago, but I was not executor, my brother was. I just showed up to help clean out stuff. Mom couldn't deal, okay? So in, in this case here, with my kid's dad, I showed up and I helped clean out. And then we had other members of the family that kind of, divvied, they took what they wanted and then when they all left, then I got a big old pile of goo, which is now goodbye, Felicia, and give it away. So it was never my intention to try to sell that stuff. Um, my friend Sheila, as I mentioned, who I, I, I paid a small amount to, she did a beautiful job. She got rid of, she gave it all away. And then she even helped me take back the cable boxes, just to clean it all out. Cle- I mean, I spent time throwing stuff away, even when he was alive and vacuum stuff. It's, it's gruesome guys. Okay. Because if someone becomes so unable to care for themselves, you're going to have stuff around that is, is, is going to be hard to deal with. So if you need to hire someone to come in and do the cleaning, do that. That may be the best two or 300 or $400 you ever spent. Um, but, uh, before that it has to, while they're still alive, I tried to do the emotionally best things for the family. So Anyway, that means take my vacuum cleaner over there and take trash out to the dumpster and take more trash out to the dumpster and clean stuff up. Okay, now here's another thing that you don't... I had to do a lot of research. So let's say there's you open up the bathroom doors and there's a whole bunch of prescriptions, all right? Now, you can't... Yeah, I decided I'm not flushing them down the toilet. I'm not going to pollute the water supply and I'm not going to put them out in the trash and I'm not going to try to go sell them. Nobody's going to take them back. But I did find after some investigation that the pharmacy CVS has a central place. It's not every retail location. They do have a central place. So it was just a short drive and it's kind of like a postal box like a, like the book return at the library. It's a standalone kind of a kiosk thing in, the, in this, the, um, the CVS office. And I show up with John and I got a whole trash bag full of prescriptions because we were not, his dad was not homeopathic about anything. It was AMA all the way. So this this huge trash bag with all of these prescriptions. So, okay, open, dump them in. One, two, three, close it. Do it over and over. It's kind of like putting books in the book return at the library. Over and over and over and over. And I took John in with me. And I told him at with each step along the way, because I'm hoping that this would help him understand and process and go from... Uh, from concrete, maybe to abstract, but, but he really needs to understand these steps to realize that dad didn't just disappear. Dad's really in heaven. And here's all these bits and pieces of stuff. And and, and he would get the heebie-jeebies in dad, in his dad's apartment. So he was quick to want to get out. We also had our foreign exchange student with us at the time, and he went down to hospice with us once, but then he didn't want to go back, which I understand. The older uh, children in the family—they um, showed up and worked together, and sometimes they would show up and work separately. A lot more of, of emotional burden to them. So I did all I could to support John and to support everybody. Back so anyway, back to the prescriptions. There we are putting them all in the in the kiosk, and then I tell them thank you and I walk away. So I did. That's the moral high ground on the prescriptions. Okay, so do that, and then you'll you'll at least not pollute the world. I'm not sure what they do with it. Uh, not your problem, but that's a, that's the best practice as a way to get rid of the prescriptions that you find. I mentioned federal tax, right? I kind of stumbled around a little bit on it with that state and federal system. So hopefully you've got some good returns. Hopefully you found what was done the previous year. Um, there might be something for the estate the, the future year, and I, I'll have that, um, but and so collect the 1099s if, you, if you're if you using TurboTax. I always do my own TurboTax forever and on all of the other returns that are my responsibility in the past. But the roadmap that I inherited said to do it a different way. So that's what I'm doing. I'm doing it a different way, which means I have to upload a bunch of documents, uh, financials and other things to somebody and then they do their thing and then they send me another request for a form 8847 eight, eight, seven, nine, one of those things. So I'm complying. So as an executor on the, on the financial side and on the paperwork side, there's going to, people are going to tell you, you need to get, get these documents, get them signed, get them notarized, whatever it is, understand what that document is and just get it done and then upload it. And then don't procrastinate. If it's too morbid and it's just too hard, try not to identify with the person, just, just get them done and send, because otherwise if you stall around, it's just going to be it's going to be worse. So anyway, I uploaded all those documents. They're on their way. It's a You have a process with, with Uncle Sam with the federal return. You're going to have a process with each of the policies that they're going to have a certain uh, list of compliance issues, documents returned, documents executed. Um, and so you'll see my little blue box there where I just stick each thing in a different PendaFlex, but I have not sticking up because... I would. Only, I'd leave it sticking up if I still had to do something with it. And then you'd have documents coming in from three or four different directions. We prepaid the 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 funeral, the non-funeral, the um, um, the um, oh gosh, I'm sorry, um, the uh, cremation. We. <laughs> he prepaid it and then we we the person we, we misread that and so it got paid a second time and then i had to unroll all of that that's another thing so just if there's any instructions that are written for you then if some family members want to be useful and help out just be really careful because if you're the executor you should really do it okay if people offer to help you because whatever for whatever pure motive they've got they're going to gum it up for you, all right? And it's not because of any uh, ulterior motive. It's just, if you're executor, own it, all right? Know ahead of time if you are so lucky. Look at these caveats that I'm talking about, and this is just the first. So this is, let's see, we went to virtual probate um, in April, and this is now the, so April 7 or 15, and this is now the end of June. So April, May, June, so like three and a half months, so that's why I'm only doing part one right now. I'm sure there's going to be some other things. We've, I've gotten the inventory sent in. I've received back most of the little bits and pieces of stuff. We're trying to work on the funding that goes all the different directions. What's in the bucket? What kind of thing is in the bucket? Who's going to get that kind of thing? What do we ha- How do we have to change the bucket? Um, and then um, trying to be fair to everybody. Okay. So forgive my informality in calling it a bucket, but that's, I'm trying to explain it to people too, because recipients may not all understand the terminology. Um, Usually if you're picked to be executor, it's because you have practiced this kind of stuff. And then it's also your job to try to explain it to all the other people that are in the food chain, and especially if they're grieving extra, right? Or they're trying to understand, so how? who's paying for what? And what's the estate going to pay? And then when does the credit card get frozen? And we, th- oh, oh, we thought that was going to get paid, but no, it didn't because it burped back up again. And then then rent was burped back up on it when it, it looked like it was going to go through, but it wouldn't. That's why you' don't think you're gonna fool anybody. <laughs> that's why just tell them as soon as as it, as the person passes. Have a buffer and that's the biggest thing of hindsight I can tell you. Pay attention to if anybody's got like a special need situation or dementia um, or ha- however extra help that they need. You're going to be taking notes on the Secure Act, on stretch IRAs. A lot of nomenclature is going to be thrown at you. Write it down. Do your homework. Ask again. Ask again. Take notes. And then when you are working with all the people, be extra kind in in just taking that little bit of explanation again. Um, I've told people this, the same, I've told the same people the same thing like four or five times. and it's, it's part of my job, it's part of your job as executor, is to train the people. We're in a new paradigm now. We're in a whole new world. Um, you have to maybe explain to them that that's the bucket is it. Once a bucket's gone, then that's all there is. So please don't squander it, right? Don't run through it like the, the, the proverbial lottery winner. And then they run through the thing like the prodigal son. And then there's nothing. Then you come back to, to, oh, gosh, I'm sorry I spent all that money. Well, there may not be any more. So just remind people, do whatever you can to help protect people for the short run until they get used to understanding what a budget is. And to, um, we just call it preservation of capital. So not that you wanted the job as teacher, but yeah, you're going to have that too. You're going to try to be educating everybody, especially if, and the purest motive, right? That's why I'm not taking any percentage for it. Because so I, I can tell people I'm getting nothing out of this financially. So you've got no reason to get mad at me. If I talk to you about that's a good choice for an expenditure, that's a bad choice for an expenditure. And you're trying to train them so that they're going to be responsible for their own partial bucket. And that's all the money there is because they're gone. Right. So some of this is a little bit direct, but I'm just telling you, you. If you have to face this, then I wish somebody would have told me all 90, uh, 97% of this f- five months ago. All right? Because I would have been a little less. Yeah. Okay. Fine. I get it. You're, I would. Have, I was never cavalier, but I wasn't as worried as I should have been. And as soon as the person starts to become sick, and can't let's say that they're losing their cognitive function or they're so sick that they're they're in the hospital and they're not paying their bills, then start earlier than I did, all right? Because I was waiting too long. I was thinking that they could handle it. And no, when you get toward the end of your life, your, your brain is working in an entirely different way and you're checking out and rightly so. So the things of this earth become less important to you. The people maybe, right? But the money, you're going to kind of, you know, like, fine, whatever. And so, but someone's going to get left hold in the bag and someone, somebody's going to get left hold in the debris of the, of your mailbox. So start sooner, get that mail key, start checking the mailbox, get the mail directed, get your change of address cards through the post office, do all that stuff sooner. All right. Um, Whatever you got to do on the card, unwind, you're going to be unwinding a person's life and it's going to be Oh gosh, I don't know. I, I half the time I cry, right? Uh, and then the other half of the time I'm kind of distant. Um, we were divorced for years, so it's I, I'm grieving in a way, but it's just the loss of a life and the loss of opportunity. Um, and also, if you got any, if if you have any leverage with the person who is starting to pass, get them to do an emotional blessing with the people that are still here. Um, that didn't happen the way that I had hoped it would. And I think that made things harder for everybody. So because the mind of, of the person that's starting to slip away is they're focusing on different things. And if they're not really paying attention, being mindful of the emotional needs of the people that are still going to be left standing, um, you need to kind of rattle them around a little bit and say, Listen, I need, you need to give a blessing to each of these people that you're leaving behind. Now, as an example, for me, in my childhood, my dad, our dad, wrote us letters, but we didn't find them f- for like 10, 12 years after he passed. So we had no, as, as my personally, I had no emotional closure with either of my parents when they passed. So there's all these things that were like, like a, just dangling, you know, um, Damocles sword, not really bad, but just dangling. And so yeah, there were some letters squirrelled away um in dad's handwriting in the in a, in a safe back on the farm and one of the other brothers found them years and years later and handed them out it was like okay but man I would have traded all of that stuff for just a good honest conversation with dad before he left um so make sure that that they pass on their version of a blessing. I keep saying a blessing because that's not really about financial. It's, a, it's like, this is how it would, it would go. I love you. I believe in you. I've always been so proud of everything that you've done and what you haven't done. And if I'm not here anymore to hold you by the hand, please know that I believe in you and I, ad- I love you and I have faith in you and I've always been... S- I've just always been so proud to have you in my family, to have you as my child. You know how it would sound, right? What you would want to hear. So make sure they do that. Because if they don't, that's going to leave all kinds of, kinds of emotional debris too. So you're going to be dealing with money wounds and, and emotional wounds and left behind wounds. And it's just going to make things harder. All right. So anyway, I'm sure there'll be things to talk about part two. Um, I've been pretty personal with this, but I, I feel like if there's some way that I can share with you the things that I've learned, we've learned the hard way, then, um, it's worth it. Okay. So pay attention to the, lots of the little details. Keep in mind, you've got at least four horses on your harness. You're going to have all of the logistical stuff. All right. The cleaning out. You're going to have all of the emotional stuff, which you'll probably be counselor. Um, especially if, if you're not, um, like I'm a divorced spouse, uh, ex-spouse, right? So that I've had years to heal up, but if you, if you're the spouse, then you're going to be just as bereft as everybody else that you're trying to help. So get someone to hold you by the hand. We've got a, a first class, um, legal team and a first class, I mean, trusted, great, smart people. All right. Um, uh, so financial folks to help and legal folks to help. Um, and I'm going to keep them for at least a year uh, as co-trustee. We might have to change some legal documents, but there's, there's just a real steep learning curve on all of this, guys. All right. So anyway, back to your, your horses. You're going to have the, the, the emotional counselor piece. You're going to have the logistical clean out, the goo stuff. Who's going to do all of that? You know, the, the vacuuming and the giving away of things or the selling of things. You're going to have the financials, fiduciary, fiduciary responsibility, the inventory of assets, the checking account for the ex- executor, the distributions, um, finding everybody's addresses, phone numbers. Oh, start to keep a list of that too because you're going to need everybody's social, everybody's birth date, including the year. You're going to need their current address, phone number, and if there's an email. Okay, so you're going to need those four things. So just pay, make that another tab on your Excel spreadsheet or a page in your journal, whatever you do. So if you can have that all in one place, write it down. Or I've got a file in my email, a folder in my email for executor on this particular issue. I've got a folder just in my regular files for non-email documents I've saved. You're going to have to keep track of the taxes for a while. You're going to have all of the bits and pieces of paperwork that come in. So just take the, have the discipline to set up a good file system, a file hierarchy, and just put those, don't put them on your desktop, okay? Just put them in the folder, label it whatever you want. I said executor, and then I said the name. Um, and then if it's something year by year. Is it taxes paperwork? Or is it inventory paperwork? Is it financial? Is it something else? Um, uh, medical. Powers of attorney. If, if, you, if there are trusts, if there are um, any other kind of legal requirement of things. Um, yeah, okay, so thank you for your time. I hope you never have to face this. If you ever want to do a workshop face-to-face or Zoom, I'm all with it for you. Um, tying in uh, being a special needs parent, um, tying in that some of the extended family uh, of recipients uh, and multiple trusts, Um, not that there's a lot, but there's a legal requirement and some of them have their account pay, representative payee accounts and people that are trying to help them. And then we have a lot of stubbornness and people who aren't doing what they need to do. And then who's going to own all of that and trying to get stuff done. Um, resentment, um, uh, grieving, um, thinking they were owed something else, you know, or I hey, I got the short end of the stick, family squabbles, jealousies, all that. You're going to be counselor too. Just saying. Okay. So take a deep breath. Don't take anything personally. Just realize everybody's trying to deal with a really hard passage of life the best that they can. It's going to, even for you and for every person engaged with it emotionally, it's going to be a new stage of life each time they pa- they go to the next level of passage. And they may just need to talk. One of the greatest gifts I've been trying to give the family is whenever they need to talk, I just shut up and listen. And I try not to do anything more unless they are asking questions. Um, they need to be validated. They need to be heard. And they, um, they're they screaming for that. And that's one of the kindest things that you can do as executor. Um, it's going to take time, but it won't last forever because depending on how you distribute and what, oh, and then insurance premium. So I, I'm, I'm going to say this again. So my kids had um, a group coverage from his group uh, for medical that went to COBRA and then it died because the premiums were being paid by the credit card. The credit card freezes up. I don't understand the unintended consequences of the credit card in all ways, because I don't know, we didn't talk very much, and I really didn't understand all the things he was paying, right? All the degrees of financial dependency that was going on. So in hindsight then, we had a bunch of medical bills that bounced, and then we had to go back in and redo all of that, and now, have to figure out who's going to be paying that kind of thing. So watch out for insurance premiums. Watch out for the hidden kinds of things. If something's not working all of a sudden, it's probably probably related to something that's going wrong with the estate or executor stuff. So there's some breakage in the the flow, okay? And so some data is not getting wherever it used to go. And you got to find out triage. What happened? How who can you turn to and you get that Patched up, uh, get it back on track. So take good notes. Uh, Excel has been my friend. Uh, the notes and the filing system. I've got a ratty old box there with the Pentaflex folders in it, and it's a kind of a primitive system of keeping track of the, the, the current stuff. Sticking up. I when it's all done and I can put it to rest, I stick it to the back, and then eventually it'll go somewhere else, and I don't have to keep looking at it. But right now it's all on a table right in my office. And I keep it physically in one spot so it's not sprawling anywhere else. Because you'll, you'll have your own income taxes. You'll have your work. You've got, you probably got everything in your house right now, kids included. No, no, nobody's going anywhere. Physically put all that executor stuff in one place and keep it in one place. All right. Otherwise, it'll drive you crazy. All right. Thank you. I, I hope you don't have to face this. We'll talk again soon. Thank you for your patience. Sorry, I kind of meandered. Um, it's, uh, it's a mess, guys. <laughs> so own it. And ask questions. Take good notes. Um, if somebody uh, doesn't do it the way you think it should be, if your executor it's your job, all right? You might have people that help you as co-trustee or the legal people or the financial people, but ultimately as executor, you have to do that job. They're not doing it. So unless you pay someone to do everything, um, own it. Okay, peace be with you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.